Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. Uh, just another busy week. We always think there's going to be, you know, like a light week of podcast news and it, it never, uh, it never happens. Not with you and I, not with our ear to the ground, the way it is. I mean, we, we can make a story out of anything, right? You and I, it's what we do. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Hey, I've got a question for you. Did you take a picture of your car's thermostat today? I did not. My <laughs> wife did though. And put it on Instagram. Yeah, it was kind of the thing today. It's 145 degrees. It feels like 145 <laughs> degrees outside, I think is what my uh, weather app said at one point. But you gave me crap last week for mentioning the weather early. You think I'm not going to ride the train on the hottest day in the history of Oklahoma? I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I had uh, some stuff to do for work this morning. I try to take the dogs early in the morning before work on a walk when it's not hot. Oh, God. Didn't get to take them today. So they're mad at me all day. And I'm like, Guys, go feel the ground. Yeah. Like, like put, your paws would burn off. <laughs> well, Dustin Ragusa, noted uh, dog lover and uh, appreciative yes. that you would consider your dogs that way because a lot of people don't. There's a lot of people walking their dogs right now that maybe shouldn't. So, but we won't alienate that demographic of our audience who likely I is. I mean, we can. To this. Do you want to switch gears and attack I mean, these people for a little bit? <laughs> well, this podcast is actually brought to you by ASPCA of the Great Plains. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's actually not true. So uh, that's a total joke. Hopefully this doesn't get taken down for that. But I do want to say a thank you to a sponsor of the Feels Like 45 podcast, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469-757-0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash Price hyphen Buckley. It's spelled B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Dustin, I'm going to have to give Price a call about some of these gas prices lately. You feel me? Um, <laughs> we've got a ton to get to. Weather and gas. <laughs> what else? I mean, what do you have for dinner tonight? I mean, what else do we talk about, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I haven't even eaten yet, actually. At I this, came straight to the pod. At this Wow. Uh two things one thank you for your service number two you're welcome at this point this is a bit this is a bit we're doing and i'm going to think of things <laughs> that neither of us want to talk about and i'm going to bring them up every week but and when people are going to hate it as much as if we were really talking about it and our listenership is going to reflect and we're never going to take that into account and and it's going to be my own fault so but I, we've got a lot to get to baby that's right that's why this is a hobby for you and i i would say um big 12 media days we didn't get to talk about it last week we mentioned it on the podcast that it would be covered this week we recorded before it happened last week but i mean holy cow i i gotta say i think we nailed it we nailed mike gundy being the star of the show the the most outspoken one towards realignment and at least like we got that pure 
vintage Mike Gundy that I thought we would get. And I think you thought as well. Yeah. It, the whole Gundy and all the players, it was awesome. You know, Gundy's looking, Gundy's looking great. The hair's flowing, got a great suit on. And then the players are all in jeans, boots, and their OSU coaches. I think that's the Nike coaches polo. And then Brock Martin's wearing a cowboy hat. Most everybody else was dressed up in suits players wise, or it looked a little bit nice, like not nicer, but they were a little bit more formal and OSU guys were just kind of real comfortable out there. They had a kind of calm swagger about them. And I, I loved it. I, I was able to watch I, Kate. I think you were too, but I was able to watch most of the ESPN broadcast and then all of the coaches interviews. I, I always like to watch just to hear kind of some of the questions. They're not all interesting questions, but sometimes you get a interesting answer, even without an interesting question. So I, th I thought they were fun. I thought it was interesting. ESPN uh, plus and ESPN U, I think did most of the coverage. So it was, it was fun, fun two days. I, you think Gundy was a little jealous of Brock Martin's get up? <laughs> I think he was, I'm sure when he saw Brock, he was like, man, I wish I could wear that. Like that's, wish that's like that Gundy's right pajamas. Like that's what he rolls out of bed. <laughs> and I would think, because I would imagine that there are not many days that Mike Gundy wears a suit that we don't know about it. You know what I mean? Like if he's wearing yeah. a suit, it's cause he's it's media day or it's open. Like it's something formal and man, I would think that he's just ready to break that mold and, and throw on a polo jeans and a cowboy <laughs> hat. I mean, I, I'm surprised he hasn't already done that. Oh yeah. It was, uh, he, he's a hilarious individual, but it was, uh, it was good all around. There was good quotes from everybody. It started out with a uh, new commissioner, Brett Yormark. He had a lot of things to say about expansion that were kind of vague, but he did make the quote, we're open for business talking yeah. about the big 12s possible expansion. I thought, what'd you think about him in general? Yeah. Just I'm, thank you for asking overall. Cause yeah. I, I think I'm already ready to take back what I said on that initial discussion about, about Brett Yormark. I mean, you would love somebody with some experience at doing this, but this is an unprecedented time in college athletics. And you need somebody with experience in negotiating TV rights deals, media deals. And Brett Yormark is that guy. I mean, that's, that's what he does. And it's not hard to see where his uh, expertise lies, even in the way he speaks. Like he's him saying we're open for business has set the tone even for the last week with talks of a, of a possible merger with the PAC 12, like full on merger, like things got that deep and that heavy um, in, in just a week since he said that. And so I, I will take back what I said about him. I think he's the leader that the big 12 probably needs at this point in time, simply because he's going to be the one to execute some sort of deal um, with, with an Apple or an Amazon or an NBC or whoever that media rights partner is that leads the big 12 into the next 10 to 15 to 20 years. And so I thought he was impressive. Everybody spoke really highly of him. All the coaches, um, even the athletic directors who spoke a little bit um, spoke very highly of him and, and noted how engaged he was, which I don't think you have another choice. Like if you're the commissioner of the big 12 right now, engagement is, is like the, the minimum requirement right now. So um, I take that with a grain of salt, but I liked him a lot. What'd you think? Yeah. I, I liked him as well. I, I know when we originally talked about it, I said I thought it was a fine hire, it was interesting, a little out of the box. You know, the with all the realignment, you got to make some kind of splash, get somebody who you think can really lead you through these times. And I think the Big Twelve leadership thought that was thought that was our guy, your mark. And 
I, I like the quote of <laughs> making the brand a little younger, hipper, cooler, yeah. and connecting with the youth culture. That that was that was a uh, do you want a fun quote? Just you in wanna, general, talking about that. Do you want to pitch ideas of what the new Big Twelve logo features? Like, do you think it's like <laughs> flames on the logo? Do you think it's that would like be sick, like denim? I mean, because they if they're gonna go young or hip, I mean, what's young and hip right now? I mean. <laughs> Big 12 logo drinking a Starbucks. What are we talking? The logo is just a looped TikTok video. It's never just a still picture. <laughs> oh, see, this is why we need your brain in the in the Big 12 offices. Well done. I mean, the logo is a TikTok dance. It's not even a logo. That that actually might be part of this. There's actually, I mean, you you've seen this in the NBA. What you're pitching is not that crazy because you've seen in the NBA where they've got these um, adaptable logos and now we're, this is way off track. So steer me back in, but like you'll, they'll run down the court one time. It'll be Kia. They'll run down and then they come back and it's Sonic's like, wait, what? I just thought that that was, I mean, my, my old brain, my dumb brain couldn't comprehend that at the beginning. So they didn't that they do that on the rink in NHL as well. Flip them out. They do that on ice. Everything. Yeah. You can do that on other types of surfaces. Oh yeah. Any surface. Wow. You can do anything on any surface. Okay. Um, but yeah, outside of that, there wasn't a lot of, a lot of notable stuff from him. It was a lot about realignment, but they, there wasn't a lot to get out of the quotes. I did like listening to him speak. I thought he was making good points. I didn't really have any other key highlights from him. Even when he was with the ESPN crew, did you? No, I, I would agree. Really, like the only thing I wanted to discuss with him is that I was already um, excited to take back what I had said a couple of weeks ago. So that's <laughs> it. <laughs> now, Gundy, on the other hand, was phenomenal. He said, he said some interesting things. I don't know where you want to start. You, well, the stuff I, he said about Spencer Sanders, Rob Glass, Bedlam. Well, gosh. Well, Great point. Let's get to all of that. I mean, let's start with Bedlam. I think that's that's the more fun conversation. I mean, he basically put it on OU, right? Do you want me to read? Do you want to read yeah, the quote? Yeah, the first question. Great. So this was the first question he got from the media about OU's move to the SEC. Also, I think part of the question was about recruiting with OU moving to the SEC. Basically, I think was it John Hoover or Scott Wright? I can't remember who asked this one, but I can't one recall. of the one of the Oklahoma media guys asked this one and Gundy's response was, well, the future in Bedlam is a year or two left. That's the future of Bedlam <laughs> based on somebody else's decision. Recruiting for us hasn't really changed a lot. It's interesting with young people. Now I'm not sure you might be able to take a poll of the top 250, 300 recruits in the country and ask them if they know, for example, you could throw out what conference is Purdue in or what conference is Wake Forest in. And I would say there's about a 50% chance they might know what conference that is. That, the <laughs> fact that he called out Wake Forest and Purdue specifically. Yeah, just a little shot so across funny. the bow. You, like, you think Wake Forest and Purdue were just sitting in their office like, wait, what the hell do we do? I was talking to uh, in my group message with all my buddies from Baton Rouge and I, I showed them that quote and they were like, why is he coming after Wake and Purdue? Like? Yeah, no kidding. It's <laughs> oh my gosh, you could go down the rabbit hole with that. But I mean, it could come across bitter, but he's he's been very consistent about this, and he's very measured in the way he talks about it. It's not emotional. It's very matter of fact, and and he's speaking in fact. Like OU made the decision to covertly enter into an agreement with the SEC. That's the fact. 
And that's how Mike Gundy speaks about it. And so I love it. And quite frankly, the only people that have an issue with it, you and I know who they are. They're, they're, they're the, the vocal minority on Twitter. Um, uh, I just don't see the problem with hardly anything he said because it's the truth. Yeah. And later he w- went on in the media breakout to say Bedlam is history. He, he kind of just doubled down on it. And I thought that was fine. I thought, you know, he's telling the truth. Gundy's not one to sugarcoat anything. And I, I mean, I don't know if he's right about asking the recruits. Maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe there's not. Maybe the, the players that Oklahoma State recruits and are part of the country. But I, it was, it's funny. And he's going, he knows he's going to get engagement from quotes like that. So he's truthful about Bedlam. And then he adds in something that maybe he thinks is the truth, but he also knows he's going to get engagement from. He's just a marketing wizard. He really is. And Dustin, I mean, I, I'm trying to think about what, what people probably want me to ask you. Do you want to play Bedlam? After a year later, after realignment and the dust is settled from OU in Texas, do you want to play that game anymore? Me personally? Yeah, you, you specifically. Oh, I, no, no, I don't care about OU at all. Me either. So, yeah. And I don't know anybody, I don't know a single Oklahoma State fan who is at this point, I think initially there was some disappointment, but now I, I don't, I don't want to play them ever in anything. I feel like maybe you and I's, I mean, you, you were an Oklahoma State fan way longer than I, but not living in Oklahoma your entire life. And with me living in Baton Rouge until the middle of high school, didn't grow up with all of the kind of Oh, you just slammed in your face all the time on local radio and everything like that. So maybe our take is a little bit different. Maybe some people have that kind of spot, not spot in their heart, but just in their memory of Bedlam. To me, it's like, I hate them <laughs> from my time in school, going to these games and after, and I don't care if we ever play them again. I mean, I agree. <laughs> and I had to ask because it's been a year since we've talked about that. Like, which is hard to believe, but that's kind of the topic after Mike Gundy goes, doesn't even really go scorched earth. He just mentions that this is the way Bedlam is going to be. So, I mean, that was just one of several quotable moments of Big 12 Media Day. I mean, he also said Spencer Sanders has become a magician in the Oklahoma State offense. What do you think about that? (laughs) Poor Muff, is that that what you're thinking? (laughs) To read that quote, he actually got several questions on Sanders in a row, which is always hilarious to me when I look all respect to the media. I'm sure I'm sure the guy had the question he wanted to ask. He's going to ask it no matter what. But they were literally like the same question back to back about Spencer Sanders. So it was funny. He's basically just asked about Spencer Sanders, his leadership, stuff like that. And Gundy said, Spencer has been fantastic for us. He has now become a magician in our offense. He knows it. He can run it fast. He understands the middle toward the end of last year. He started to make really quality decisions in a short amount of time, which is very important in quarterback play. In our opinion, he's tough. He's humble. He doesn't worry about something that he might not have. Ooh, that last piece right there, even outside of the magician, he doesn't worry about something that he might not have. I don't know if you could say that even the beginning of last year. I mean, late the year before, no way. But he, we talked about it on our podcast. And, and really, we started when the season was just under halfway done, right? Like, the, he grew in that time frame. And so the fact that Gundy can say he's a magician in the offense at this point in time is probably speaking to um, 
maybe the change in offense? Like, do you think that the vertical ability of the offense up tempo? I mean, we know that's coming. They talked about it in media day. You think that has anything to do with it? Yeah, I, I think so. There was a lot of quotes on tempo as well. I, I mean, San, Sanders talked about, he said literally, and I quote, yeah, I like playing with tempo. <laughs> I like the defense on their heels. I like to keep them guessing. So Sanders wants to play with tempo. Gundy wants to play with tempo. And I think he knows Sanders can run the offense like that. I, I just, it, the way Gundy talked about Spencer Sanders, the confidence he has in them. Can you remember him? To, and maybe I'm just forgetting, but is he ever that high on his own quarterback? Calling you know, him a magician, about being probably not terrible in practice. You know, there were games where he would not trash Rudolph, but tell you he played bad. And even Sanders early in his career, you know, saying he's got to play better. But basically from the middle of last season on, he has said, if, if Spencer is protected well, if we can run the ball early, he's going to be awesome. And he hasn't, he'll call it like it is, you know, if it, he'll say Sanders has made some bad throws, but he has been behind this guy since about the middle of last season going forward. Not that he wasn't really before, but just kind of emphatic, emphatically behind him. And yeah. it's kind of awesome to see. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and you raise a really good point. I don't know the last time Gundy's been that outwardly, bullish on a quarterback or any player of his magician is a is a big word for a quarterback i mean you think of magician you think of like that's a short list of quarterbacks that that rings around in your brain so i mean what you're saying is to mike gundy i mean spencer sanders heisman odds are are a good value is that what i'm hearing <laughs> well if kate you can go watch the osu max video not to plug them like i always do but where sanders is breaking down yeah no free ads it's about yeah, it's about twenty five minutes long. It's him and Deion Amade, former yeah, Oklahoma State defensive back. If you want a little taste of just what Gundy's talking about, how well Spencer knows the offense, knows the defense he's going against, and I'm sure you'll right after I say that, someone's going to go, "Well, why do he throw that many picks against Baylor?" But I'm just saying, oh, you, right? He is a very, very intelligent football player, and you can hear it in his voice when he's talking about football, whether it's X in the nose or in media day. I, I thought he was great and. Kind of to the point we just mentioned, another Gundy quote. I won't read the quote because I don't want to read a million quotes, and I know we got some more we want to read. But he talked about Spen the offensive line being beat up. Spencer never saying a word about it. Young, true freshman at wide receiver, never saying a word about it. And just his overall competitive nature, Gundy just loves that about him. Well, I mean, he's he is a fiery competitor. And I think, like, if you look around college football over the last several years, the most popular players have that outwardly spoken edge to them um spencer has that and he gets crap for it for some reason and so i i'm a spencer defender i feel like uh you and i have been on that train but i'm excited to see what he does in this offense i really think a vertical more spread out zone inside zone type of offense makes a lot of sense for Spencer Sanders. And I'll be curious to see what it does for him. So anyway, yeah. I, I love that, that he was a focal point for big 12 media day. Cause I mean, I really think he turned a corner and that he's entering into, he's got two years left at Oklahoma state. Like this yeah. is the time now the light can turn on. So. And I want to get to some of the quotes from the players as well, but the last Gundy quote, I wanted to touch on Kate, unless you had another one, since no. we already kind of hit on the tempo as well is him talking about Rob Glass and Rob Glass's 
raise up to a million dollars, the Oklahoma State strength and conditioning coach. Not even the whole quote I want to read, Kate. I just want to read this part of it. Rob Glass could very well be the single most important part of Oklahoma State football, and that's including the head coach. That's from Gundy. So, Dustin, do you remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about Rob Glass after he got that contract extension? And yeah. we went down the list of people who are more important than Rob Glass in Oklahoma State football's rise. We had him at three. We had him behind Boone Pickens and Mike Gundy. I mean, and Mike Gundy yeah. has him ahead of himself. So, I mean, that's <laughs> number one, nice call for me and you. Number two, absolutely agree. I mean, you, you know who's a really good example of this too? I mean, is, well, it, it's, it's a future example, and it's probably bad to say right now, but Jelani McDonald, zero star right now. He's entering into now a four-star after an Oklahoma State offer. He's going to come to Oklahoma State. I guarantee you he's going to kick ass because of Rob Glass. So oh, we'll yeah. see. Not proof in the pudding yet, but it's all there. And I totally agree with what you said. Well, and Gundy also, he kind of doubled down on that in the media breakout, just talking about why they gave him this million-dollar salary and why he's one of the – I mean, as far as we know, the, the highest-paid strength and conditioning coach in the country – he says he's with the team 11 months out of the year. No other coach is with them that much. And Brennan Presley's asked about it. And he says basically the same thing. We're with the strength and conditioning coaching staff more than the, than the actual football coaching staff. And these guys do so much in our development, our bodies and everything. Spencer Sanders said, why don't you go ask Brennan Presley about what Rob Glass has done for him in the weight room? It's just, the players seem to really like him. Obviously, Gundy wouldn't keep him around if they don't. We've seen Gundy kind of move on from coaches. If, if there's not as much chemistry in the locker room, I'm not going to call any out, Sean Gleason. But, it, you know, it seems like Rob Glass, it's not just Gundy that loves him is kind of what I'm getting at. It's everybody, the rest right. of the coaches. It, if, if Gundy thought giving him a million dollars was going to upset the rest of the coaching staff, he wouldn't have done it. So obviously he has a respect among all the assistant coaches as well. So it's just awesome to see. And I, he's, he's definitely number three in my book. He might be number one in my heart. Who knows? <laughs> That's a really good point. You raised these salaries are all public. So every guy in that, in that coaching staff knows what the guy next to him makes. That's a really interesting dynamic, especially when you consider that one of them is the highest paid strength and conditioning coach in the country. Um, you really actually, that was a really nice point that you made there. And I, I just think it's deserved. Um, and what you're saying is build the statue. That's what I heard. Yes. Okay. I, I want statues everywhere though. So don't ask me about building statues. Your statue I, I guy? Love statues. Uh, okay. Love a good statue. Um, I did. I did let's see let's one power mo- rank some statues real quick. <laughs> Number one. No, I'm just kidding. Gundy, one other quote he did have about Sanders, um, just talking about, watching film with him. I guess he was asked about how much film he watches with Sanders. He said, coach Tim Rattay does more of that than he does. But at the end of the quote, he did mention what you mentioned earlier about Spencer having two more years. So the fact that Gundy is saying that I saw Robert Allen mention it in an article recently, it seems like he's planning to all things considered come back for that next year. So that's something to, I mean, I guess some of the fan base maybe won't look forward to it, but it's something to look forward to. And then, he got a random question about Eli Russ and Cody Walterscheid in the media breakout. 
he said specifically, Eli had a great spring. We were short numbers at the position. So he played center for us all spring and got way more reps than he ever needed to get. Thought that was interesting. We've talked about Eli Russ as being a key depth piece on the offensive line. That quote stuck out to me. I haven't really seen anybody write about that one, but yeah. that one stuck out in my head big time. Yeah, I mean, it gives you some confidence at center. I mean, we've talked about that being potentially an issue. Three. Right, now it, now it helps. Um, yeah. And we've kind of seen that some of these guys are positionless in that interior. Like, if you can play center, you can float to left guard, possibly right guard too. So, um, it makes sense. Um, before we wrap up Big 12 Media Day in this conversation on Spencer Sanders, I mean, what do you think his ceiling is? Like, now that we're talking about the next two years, because I – I have a thought. I'll I'll give you mine before before you, I mean so you can think about it. But if he's going into a vertical offense with a lot more tempo and the skill talent he's going to have around him, I, he was already Big Twelve Player of the Year last year, right? So he's got two more years ahead of him now. I mean, what's what's his ceiling? I'm going to say I'm going to say it. Ceiling is dark horse Heisman contender in, in two years. Like, so write that down. Just know that I said that. And that, I mean, I think you agree, Dustin, I'm going to just guess. Yeah. I, I mean, I think he was going to limit pace. the turnovers, but his volume is going to go up exponentially. His like yeah. his highlight worthy play is going to go up exponentially. So if you look at just the regular season numbers, right. He has four less interceptions. He finished with 12, so he's at eight. Yeah, right. And then how many touchdowns? Do you remember how many touchdowns he threw in the Big 12 championship? Uh, it was, was it zero? Zero, I think, because they – it might have been one. Um, I'll we'll look I, it up. It was zero or but one. Point is, so he's either at 19 or 20 touchdowns. So you're telling me 20 touchdowns, eight picks, great on the ground, few fumbles thrown in there, but – really showed the ability to throw the ball away. If he can just limit these blow-up games to instead of four interceptions, maybe it's two and no fumbles. If he can just limit the unraveling of the ball of yarn, you know what I'm saying? I think the ceiling is what you said. I think Dark Horse Heisman candidate because his normal play is great. His elevated play, his top performances last year are very, very good. If you look at specific games, you know, he's great in the bowl game, second half versus OU. There's, there's a million you can point to even just over his career. It's just those games where he kind of loses his mind for yeah. a little bit. And I'm not saying all four of those interceptions in the big 12 championship were on him. We broke that game down. I think I only put two on him, but still he's involved in the turnover. He, it, just if he can limit those games where he blows up, it just, it, it's kind of mind blowing with when you see a ceiling and even his average play when he blows up, it's just, it's just mind blowing. I think the, like, I just want to point this out. Like he had 2,800 yards passing last season, almost 700 yards rushing in a fairly pedestrian offense. I think you and I would both agree on that. Right. And 26 touchdowns. He's got to limit the turnovers. Absolutely agree. But again, I think it's almost like usage rate in the NBA. Like his usage rate 
is about to go through the roof, I would think. Um, I was actually looking at what Kyler Murray's stats were in his Heisman season, and that may temper your expectations a little bit. But, I mean, that guy, he threw 377 passes in his Heisman uh, trophy year. He <laughs> threw for 4,000 yards. Anyway, my point is I think in a more Spencer-friendly offense, his numbers are going to get – really gaudy like they're gonna be i'm expecting him to be a 34 3500 yard passer 800 yard rusher with 30 plus touchdowns and that's what i think he's gonna do this year like so that's that's where i'm getting at anyway we try not to get too hot it was it was zero kate sorry to interrupt in the championship and i'm kind of wrong on how i laid out that narrative because it technically would have only been 16 tds at that time because he threw four in the bowl game yeah Well, I, I still think I'm, I'm on it, and uh, I, I agree with you, everything you said, um, but we've got a lot of other stuff to get to. And, I mean, we're, we're – yeah. yeah, go ahead. I did just want to hit, Kate, there was a couple of if – if we have some time, just hit a couple of the quotes from the players that were a little interesting. We, we've already talked about Spencer Sanders. You know, he talked about being a leader to Garrett Rangel and Gunnar Gundy. I thought that was cool. Uh, Brennan Presley – was talking about Braylon Presley's ability on special teams. And he said, and I quote, I'm not going to lie. He's a dog when it comes to special teams. How does that make you feel? Well, it's good to know. Really <laughs> good to have in your back pocket. So what you're saying is we're going to get the Presley brothers back in the, in returning kicks is what you're saying. Gundy was asked about it as well. And he said, that's probably going to happen at some point. So it's I mean, what not do just you, us. What do you do as an opposing team? I mean, the trick plays are the, – the limit does not exist at that point. Kick it out of the end zone, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Try. I would hope. Yeah, I would hope that um, that's what you do. One of Brock Martin's quotes, uh, he was asked about Trace Ford. He says he looks good. Metabox, he looks great. He's finally got his step back. I always talked about how quick his first step was, and now I saw it again for the first time in a really long time, and I'm really excited for him. Fantastic. So that's been pretty – that's good to know. And then – the last one from Tyler Lacey talking about Derek Mason. He said he's not much of a yeller and screamer. He's a really cool guy. He's a he's really for us and for the guys. He vouches for us all the time and tells us whatever we need. He's got us. So I feel like that's the type of coach we need. We saw something a similar quote from Sione C earlier. Yeah, I think it was Robert Allen that called that one out on Derek Mason. So it's cool to see that these the defensive linemen love him. So I, it sounds like the rest of the team does as well. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean. And it's interesting that quote that he's the coach we need right now. I mean, that that's a nice compliment if you're if you're Derek Mason, but it's also like, man, that would be great if that's the case. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And yeah, like I'm pumped about Derek Mason. I know we talked about it with Sam Bradshaw a little bit. Uh, him seeing that as the one concern. I know that's on a lot of people's mind. Losing Jim Knowles, a very talented defensive mind, but I'm excited to see what Mason brings. So it's great to know that the players really like him. Yeah, hundred percent. Dustin, anything else from Big 12 Media Days? Any any notable quotes you wanted to run through? I think that was it I really wanted to call out. You know, I wrote a bunch down, but they're all kind of saying similar stuff to what we already talked about. So I think that was it. it there, there was a lot of good stuff. You know, they're asking Brennan Presley about his favorite candy. Those aren't my favorite <laughs> questions, but I feel like he's uh, answered that question more than any question about football. Yeah, I'd I'd love more questions about football, but but you know I get it, Kate. I yeah. get what what's what's trying to be accomplished. So, could you imagine if you and I were at Big Twelve Media Days? 
pull sprinter in and see okay let's watch film what did you see over here in the secondary that made you oh that would be awesome he would not want to do that he'd look at us like we were absolutely nuts like who are these (laughs) crazy guys and how'd they get a pass um then we'd have to be like all right what's your favorite candy he'd be like okay yeah this is that's more like it um yeah and is that the media thinking that that anyway okay whatever we'll move on past that but the the i mean (laughs) this is the topic we want to avoid, but can't avoid. Right. And it's realignment, but I do think that there's some noteworthy pieces of information here that have happened over the last week that really do directly impact Oklahoma state. I don't want to get hot takey, but I do want to just lay out. I mean, last night, I think the big news of the week is that the big 12 and the PAC 12 called off a merger. Well, the big 12 called off a merger with the PAC 12 that nobody knew was happening. And so it sounds like the PAC 12 is pissed because they thought they were dealing in confidence, got leaked out to ESPN that this had blown up. Um, Dustin, I mean, the idea that a, a full on merger between the big 12 and PAC 12 was ever discussed is probably not shocking, but it would be the closest thing to shocking uh, in, in realignment to where we are right now. Yeah, from what the reports say, Cade, and thanks for laying that out, it sounds like there was talk of scheduling alliance type thing, full merger, a couple different scenarios were thrown out, and the Big 12 was most most interested in the full merger, then went back and decided they're not interested in exploring that, told the Pac-12 no, and then it sounds like the Big 12 is still monitoring the situation with adding Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado so we'll see from there. It, it's honestly a little shocking to me that the Big 12 was interested at all in that full-scale merger. You know, these are being reported by, I think Pete Thamel reported that, but I don't know how true it is. He's obviously a, a good source, but that's a little surprising to me. Well, I, I see why they'd be interested in a full-scale merger. I, I think what probably happened, and there are a lot more smart people than me, Think about like Cal and Stanford and like Oregon State, some of those schools that are just cultural outliers to the Big 12. Here, That's one piece of it, but here's the other thing. It's the Big 12 that told the Pac-12, no, we're not going to take everybody. And it's probably a short list of schools that they're not willing to take. I do still think that Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon, Washington, like if there was a domino to fall, it's the big 12 adding the four to those four or six of those, because the other four in the pack 12 now 10 seem like a better fit for independent or the big 10. So it's one, it's a power move from the big 12. They told the pack 12, no, we only want the programs that are going to bring us value, which I think are those six really it's Oregon and Washington that bring value. The other four are cultural geographical fits that make sense. Um, this whole thing's driven by rev- TV revenue and eyeballs, though. And so I just really the biggest thing to me is that the Big 12 is in the power position when it comes to that relationship right now. And so my prediction over what happens over the next several months is the Pac-12 is going to get a new quote, so to speak, on a new media deal. There are sources saying that that could be as soon as the end of this month. And everybody's expecting that to come back very low. And at that point, I believe the Pac-12, the key members of that conference start looking around. And, and schools like Arizona State, Arizona, 
really would be prime candidates, I would think, to be picked off from the Pac-12 like that fast. I think Oregon and Washington still hold out, but I ultimately I do think that those four or six end up in the Big 12. So that's the biggest storyline to me was, was that conversation about realignment. And then SEC saying they're holding Pat. They say they're comfortable with 16 teams right now. They also said that they're willing to assess the landscape. It was something along those lines, which to me, that sounds like what's the Big 12 going to do? What's the Big 10 going to do next? They're willing to sit around and wait. And really, I mean, number one, even above those is what's Notre Dame going to do? So, yeah, I think you laid all that out perfectly. That The SEC thing isn't, I guess, that surprising. That They're just, like you said, they're just going to kind of sit back and wait. They're not in any rush. They know where they stand in the kind of overall college football demographic fan base and everything like that, TV deals. So I think they're fine chilling. We'll, yeah, we'll see. I, I think it ends up that the Big 12 adds those four schools we named. And then if the Big 10 doesn't reach out a hand to Oregon and Washington, maybe they're able to bring them in as well. And then we kind of see from there just kind of what happens. So I'm, I'm not, I, as you know, I'm not full blown thinking of this all the time, but that's just kind of what, where my head is at with it. No, I, I think you're, I think you're right. I think the Oregon and Washington thing to the big 10 makes sense academically, but I, I don't know how lucrative that is for the big 10. I think, again, I think the, the, all the chips are in Notre Dame's hand right now. Like they're the ones that can call the shot. Like, they're going to be the next domino to fall if they say they're staying independent. Okay, that may put a stop to realignment for the next foreseeable. But if they were to say, no, we're, we're joining the ACC full-time, the whole, I mean, thing blows up. And you could see, you could see Big Ten and Pac-12 merge. You could see ACC remaining Big 12 teams merge. I mean, anything is on the table at the current moment. And um, I just feel like we're at a stalemate. And that's okay because football season's right around the corner and we're going to get enough talk about realignment in the off season, but I'm, I'm personally ready for real football. So. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, I think you kind of concluded that pretty well. I, I don't really have any other thoughts on it right now, but it is interesting. The big 12 pack stuff, pack 12 stuff that came out last night. You know what you need to play football, Dustin turf of some kind. It's the talk of the town right now is what's this new turf going to look like? And, and it's still not done, but shout out to Barry Henson. The uh, Cowboy basketball assistant, he's uh, been leaking photos all week of the progress in Boone Pickens Stadium. And uh, Dustin, your thoughts, anything you want to talk about there? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really cool what he what Hanson's been tweeting out has looked awesome. The orange in the end zones is extremely bright. That's going to be really cool. I'm sure it's going to get some intense sun damage a couple games into the season, but right now it's really bright. They can always repaint it. I think it's going to be ready for fall camp starting, which fall camp starts on August 3rd. I've seen, I think we might've gotten a question on that, or I saw Saw somebody discussing it, but fall camp should start on August 3rd. The players report back on August 1st. And it's really cool. I think the one of the guys that's working on the kind of cool play turf or whatever it's called is a former Oklahoma State football player. So that's kind of cool that the representative cool. from their company is able to do that. But 
that core turf at the longer blade, softer feel. It's got the black rubber pellets that I think they're supposed to be able to react a little bit better to the athletes and make the ball more realistic to what grass would do with how it bounces and things like that. So I think it'll be really cool. Uh, Kate, you had some thoughts on those tweets that Henson sit out on how the numbers look. And also, what are your thoughts? It looks like the brand's going to be in the middle of the field, unless this is all a big, a big yeah. joke, a big prank. So the first thing is I love the brand in the middle. It's, it's what you and I talked about. You can't say we've got a logo too, and then throw cursive Cowboys in the middle. I really think Oklahoma state's above that right now. Um, you need the logo front and center. You need the brand front and center. The thing that I noticed yesterday it looks like the logo, the logos are absolutely a different font than the previous um, numbers on the, on the field. So whether or not it's like a new number uh, sequence altogether is to be seen, but Dustin, they look like the numbers on the old uh, throwback basketball. Jer- like if you look at the cursive script, cowboy basketball jerseys today, that's what I thought the numbers looked like. It does look like there are some random wrinkles. So we've officially launched number gate here in, uh, in Stillwater this week. Do you think anything different shows up in the end zones? Cause they're just orange rectangles right now. If I had to guess, I think that the different thing in the end zone, it may say Oklahoma state, it may say Cowboys, but I expect it to look like the font on the pinstripe jerseys that OSU baseball wore. You've seen it around promotional materials. I'm a marketing guy. I do notice things like this. I think that's the font they're going to lean to. Because if you look at the old font in the end zone, it's just a random block font that really wasn't utilized very heavily anywhere else. We've seen a lot of this kind of, I don't know how to describe it. It's just almost like it's got barbs to it. It's Western. I expect that in the end zone. If it's not cursive Cowboys, which I'm not betting on anymore, I think it's going to look like that. Yeah, that would be awesome. You might have to, I, I think you've tweeted that out from your I'll actually Twitter, I'll, your personal Twitter account. You might have to tweet that out. Feels like 45 to show people what we're talking about. But I like that. I think that's a good call. I would I would love it to be cursive cowboys. Like you said, I don't know if it's gonna be unless unless it's all a prank. We don't know. But it looks like logo in the middle of the field. The orange end zones look cool. The numbers look cool. The grass looks very bright green. I think in the home opener, it's going to look awesome on Thursday night against Central Michigan, and I'm really excited to see it. I know people will be disappointed not looking at the – if it's not the Curse of Cowboys, but I I think it's still going to look really cool. And obviously, we got a logo too. That quote is ringing true with them putting the brand back in midfield. So. Well, um, that's a great point. I actually just tweeted out the photo that I'm discussing here is, I mean, it, I really do think that they're going to make some sort of tweak. Everybody said it's similar, but it's not the exact same. So I would guess that there's some sort of change to font somewhere. Um, and honestly, that font is sick. So I really hope that that's what they use if it's not <laughs> cursive Cowboys. But I mean, shoot, it's turf. It's fun. It's a fun, like lighthearted thing. I also do think, I think that, if they were to unveil a totally new font, it would make perfect sense to do that with brand new uniforms. Because if not, you're rolling out a font that really nobody's really noticed a ton. So, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. That would be an awesome little one two punch there. Hey, before I think 
all we have left is recruiting for football, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I think just real quick, I wanted to hit on one thing. Saw this a Pokes Report article with an interview with Cowboy back tight end coach for Oklahoma State, uh, Coach McIndoo, talking about some of the Cowboy backs. And I only reason I wanted to call this out is because we've been talking about it a lot this offseason. But in part of his quote, he said, this is going into my eighth year here at Oklahoma State. So the position really is a Swiss Army knife. And we are asked to do different things and more protection and run blocking kind of stuff. But now we're transitioning more to what Coach Dunn wants, which is more route running, ball skill kind of guy, more route running and pass catching. So it sounds like he just confirmed everything we kind of heard. We kind of seen with how they're recruiting now. They're going for more of that Blaine Green, Tabri Shetron type of player as opposed to your kind of typical. I know Braden Cassidy slimmed down, so I don't want to call him out as much. But, you know, even Coach McIndoo's son is more that type fullback type of position player. Uh, Schultz, who moved over from defensive end, is more of that fullback position type player. So it seems like they're going to more of this jumbo wide receiver. He also mentioned that Blaine Green, he thinks he's about 6'3", 225. He's listed at 6'1", 220 on the roster. So I hope Coach McIndoo is right because that is really big. Large man, and uh, we need more guys like that. I, I love that they're going to that more versatile receiving style of cowboy back. I mean, especially if the offense is getting more vertical and sped up. You got to have somebody like that, I think. Whether it's Blaine Green or, or you know, whoever else, I think that's what makes the most sense at that position. Yeah, I agree. Uh, other than that, Spencer Sanders is on, like, every awards watch list, and Oklahoma State's playing South Dakota in 2024. I don't really care. Is that South talk. Dakota State, the Jackrabbits? South Dakota State, sorry. Yeah, yeah, the Jackrabbits. So that's an interesting so, one because they are kind of pesky. They'll they'll sneak up on you. They'll they'll kick you in the in the shin. <laughs> they are two and five do. against FBS opponents oh, in the good. last ten years. They beat Colorado State and Kansas. So, and I think they threatened against TCU not very long ago when TCU was pretty good. Um, so anyway, it, it's it's future conference schedule two years from now, but uh, always always good to know who Oklahoma State's got coming to town. I mean, Dustin, <laughs> anything else? Anything else you wanted to run through? I think that's all. Sorry to just throw those random ones out there, but I think that's all we have. And I'm ready to talk a little a little quick recruiting update for football. Yeah, well, let's hear it. I mean, the the big one to me, like Jelani McDonald, zero stars three weeks ago. <laughs> we talk about him on this podcast. As an offer, Oklahoma State commit. He commits to Oklahoma State. Then he gets three stars. Then he jumps up to four stars and is like one of the top 250 players in America over in this recruiting class, which is just like out of nowhere. I mean, it's almost like we it's almost like we were in front of this. <laughs> You're 100 percent right on that. He actually just recently was bumped up to a four-star on the 247 composite too. So 247 updated their rankings and he's they gave him a four-star. Yeah, so he's he's the 202nd national recruit ranked on 247, 320 on the composite, number 17 athlete, 34 in the state of Texas. Remember, he's the 6'2", 190-pound defensive back recruit that doesn't play defensive back yet. He's quarterback at Conley High School in Waco, but he will be making 
the transition. I think we'll be playing both ways next year, but it's awesome. It still Oklahoma state only has 10 total commits though. They're still ranked in the fifties, even with him getting the two, four, seven composite four-star ranking, but it's awesome to see Cade. Does it concern you at all that now he has this four-star ranking and we've recruited him to play defense do you think if a power five school comes in and says, Hey, you can play wherever you want that he might consider a different option than Oklahoma state? Or do you think, do you think he's pretty set in his ways with Oklahoma state? Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, I think we'd have to ask Jelani McDonald that um, I would also think though, just based off of his film that he's athletic enough to play anywhere at Oklahoma state. And I would hope that they're not rigid enough to keep a guy like that out of Stillwater if he doesn't want to play one position. Like, he's he's being recruited at defensive back, but if that's not what he wants to play, I mean, his recruiting profile just skyrocketed. I mean, he's, he's now getting, like, he's going to get real attention because of this, which, shocker, right? I mean, Oklahoma State's done this for a decade and a half now. But, I mean, it's a compliment. I also – you know, I don't think that it worries me. Um, he committed to Oklahoma State for a reason, but if they stand the risk to lose him over, you know, offense or defense, I say get flexible. That kind, that kid can play anywhere. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a concern. I think he ends up at well. You know what? I'm not going to make a prediction because I've been so wrong lately. But I think you knew where I was going with that. I did. This kid just a he's a freak athlete, track and field, basketball. He's he's actually a really, really good basketball player. Not like he plays basketball, like he's the best player on their team basketball. So um, pretty Play awesome. Posters, that's the only, dudes. yes, that's the only recruiting update. Really. It's still the dead period. We'll see. I think we'll start seeing a lot of things pick up more towards the end of the summer into football, starting with visits and things like that. So that's all we really have, but we've already, I mean, we've already what gone 50 minutes on football. So, well, it's I a think, football podcast. We covered it all. Well, I, I totally <laughs> agree. Before we switch over to basketball and listener questions, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. Check out Homefield Apparel's new Oklahoma State line. I don't know if you have. I know Dustin and I both are rocking the new Homefield Apparel shirts that have just gone live on their website at homefieldapparel.com. I mean, the Curse of Cowboys across the chest is absolutely gorgeous. I don't know if you guys have seen the Pistol Patty t-shirt, but it is great as well. And Homefield Apparel is doing phenomenal stuff, even outside of Oklahoma State sports. If you go on their website right now, you can see potential future Big 12 members, Colorado, with a throwback t-shirt on their website. I'm just a big fan of Homefield stuff, and the quality is unbelievable. So check them out at homefieldapparel.com. And when you use our promo code feels 12 you actually will get a discount. That's right. Feels 12. We'll get you 15% off your first order when you use our promo code feels 12 at homefieldapparel.com. Check them out right now and tell them that the feels like 45 podcast. All right, Dustin, a couple of just quick basketball recruiting notes and, and non-recruiting notes to get through. I mean, Uganda Kings, Kingsley Onyenso. We're just going to call him Uganda from now on. We decided that last week. <laughs> Um, we talked about this as, as a potential um, upcoming news item, and, and it's now official. He's taken an official visit to Kentucky. This was to be expected, as we discussed on last week's episode, but now it's Oklahoma State and Kentucky. It really feels like and now Kentucky's fully in the picture. Your thoughts? 
Yeah. And Kate, we actually got a question from last week. I, we mentioned that we didn't get to all the questions last week due to some timing constraint issues, but our guy, Ross lawyer at our lawyer underscore two twelve asked with Trent Pierce committing to Missouri with will Boynton really land Uganda Kingsley. He's another center, but I feel like he's a guy you have to take. He's currently trending towards OSU via on three, which we talked about last and we talked about him, but I, I'm a little just with that Kentucky visit coming after the Oklahoma state visit, I'm a little worried about that. I'm not extremely confident, but it would, he had great things to say about Oklahoma state seemed to really like his visit. I, I don't know. Where's your head at on him? Yeah. It just feels like, I mean, his story, I mean, he came over to the United States at, at a pretty old age to, to be recruited. It was, I think he was 14 when he came to the United States, something like that. Kentucky has kind of had a track record of, of going after recruits in this fashion. Um, I never like being in a recruiting battle with Kentucky. There are so many reasons why uh, the pockets are extremely deep now, especially with NIL that actually matters. So it's a, it's a thing. Um, but he spoke so highly of Oklahoma state. You just hope they don't come up in, in a close second, which is, is what it feels like they've done uh, here pretty recently. But I, mean, I think he's a fit for Oklahoma state system. He's still I know he's a five-star prospect. I think he's projecting five stars based off of his potential, which is immense. He's kind of like a Musa Cisse in that regard, but he doesn't do anything over the top well except defend the rim. He's so long. He's so athletic, but he's not great in the post on offense. He can't shoot very much at all. Um, he he really reminds me of a young Musa Cisse who we'll talk about here and him, him here in a little bit. Um, he's developed into you know an all Big Twelve caliber type of prospect. So I I don't love where Oklahoma State is right now, but I mean it's just because of this recent news, and I would expect a commitment sometime in the near future. Um, Give it a month or two. I would wonder if we've heard anything by then, just the way that this has gone. Yeah, I, I agree. There was recently a 247 expert pick from the Kentucky 247 analyst for Kentucky. I think that was a few days ago. And you're right. He's 6'11", 200-pounder, five-star in composite, four-star in 247 sports. He's a shot-blocking, rim-protecting center yep. that has the ceiling to elevate his offensive game, like you alluded to. I think it'd be a huge get. Like I said, I'm a, just being in a battle with Kentucky for a basketball recruit is always worrisome. You know, I mean, you've seen people write articles about the statistics of the last visit a recruit takes. That's normally the school he ends up at. So it's, it's just tough, um, tough to go against Kentucky. It would be awesome. I think Mike Boynton made a huge impression on this kid. If you ask me right this second, I would probably say it's Kentucky. But again, I know I've mentioned it already. I've been wrong a lot. But this one, I think, I think Kentucky's for sure the front runner at this moment. Yeah, it, it seems like it, right? I mean, I think Oklahoma State was getting predictions mainly because it was quiet everywhere else. And then he visits Kentucky and everybody's like, oh, well, that's kind of what we were expecting to see. So I hope it's not a foregone conclusion. They're about to get another five-star center commitment, though. So, I mean, we've seen this before that sometimes the spot gets filled. Um, I would be willing to bet that John Calipari would take two five-star big men in that class, but that's just me. So 
Um, it's something That's to keep an point. eye on. And uh, again, would be in the, you know, Bryce Thompson level, Bryce Thompson, Musa Cisse level of commitment from, from uh, for Oklahoma state. So Dustin, a couple of other things. Uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the throwback tournament, which is happening right now, the TBT Oklahoma state's Stillwater stars were supposed to be in it and they are not anymore and it's already underway so that was disappointing i know you and i were both looking into looking forward to that as it's kind of like the cap of the summer right before you get to football off season like it's like you're right before the fall oklahoma state's not in it so kind of a bummer there yeah and they had a pretty stacked team this year it was a lot of guys who had played before but some guys who hadn't you know you've got your carols your markel browns really i think we talked about it your big time high flyers. It's tough. I, I don't know what it's related to. There's been some speculation that the whole Doug Gottlieb, Freddie Freeman saga with, I guess, uh, they're trying to sue Doug Gottlieb yeah, for this a is tweet wild. about <laughs> Freddie Freeman. You can look into it more. I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but you would think they'd be able to get another coach. But I saw someone point out maybe Gottlieb was helping fund it because it's all kind of self-funded and then yeah. you compete for the, the cash prize at the end. So maybe he was part of the funding and he has to drop out now to be able to kind of handle this lawsuit. That. So I, I don't know. that That's probably all hearsay and rumors, but it's it seems like they could have gotten another coach, but oh, maybe I they just decided not to since he had to drop out. I don't know. You and me could have done that. I mean, Brendan Manzer would have been my first phone call. I would have thought he'd be available, but you and I phone call two and three, right? <laughs> yeah, I, you could get, you can get it. I mean, I'm sure Keaton Page would jump over and coach them from the Oklahoma State bench. Here's my question. In a tournament like that, what is the coach doing? I mean, honestly, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, to disparage anybody. Are you really calling plays for some of these veterans that it's, if you've watched it, it's, pretty disorganized basketball but it's fun i mean i i don't know i feel like you could have figured out a way around that i mean literally i would have yeah done, so it's got to be something outside of just the coaching change if that's part of it so to see like you said it's underway it's, it's fun to watch when it's on espn i'll, no, yeah, I'll definitely. normally watch it but uh it, it's tough to see i really wanted to watch that team they had a lot of guys that i was interested in watching play so it would have been good to see kendall smith again that was one that we mm -hmm. hadn't seen him in a little while so would have been good to keep up with them but i mean dustin a couple of other things to get to here some notes from the last uh cowboy insider podcast actually had mike boynton on and this was a phenomenal interview it's several awesome. notes about, and they're always great but mike boynton is just so good in in settings like that some notes about existing players, Musa Cisse extending his offensive range. I mean, Dustin, is he is he working on his three? Is he going to let the three ball fly? It sounded like that's what Dave Hunziker is getting at. We've seen the videos of him oh, shooting yeah. it a little bit outside. It sounded like Boynton was saying he's not going to take multiple threes a game. Now, maybe if the opportunity presents itself in the corner – it's not like be he, awesome. he, he wasn't shying away from him taking the shot, but it didn't sound like he was super confident on the in-game three-pointers. But just in general, like we're just talking about Ugana, we've seen the development in Musa Cisse's offensive game. And to hear things like that, it's awesome. It, we saw it last year. He, he turned into a guy that could do a couple things around the rim. He's a great screener, a great pick-and-roll player on the rim-running aspect of it. If he adds that pick-and-pop to his game, 
this guy is you know going to be a lottery pick. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that's really been the thing holding him back from the NBA lottery was his offense. And I mean, if he's number one, stupid athletic, but if he's got the ability to rim run and shoot, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's unfair. He'll be, he'll be yeah. one of the best players in the conference next year. If he has that ability, because last year he didn't have much ability outside of eight feet really. So, um, but inside eight feet and on defense, he was lights out. So this would be a, a quite the revelation. Yeah. That there was a couple other things he hit on, uh, Bryce Thompson working on decision-making and his kind of catch and shoot three point shooting. Nice. That's great to hear. We, we saw Bryce do a lot of stuff pulling up off the dribble, so it's it's nice to hear that he's kind of working on that set shot as well because we already know he can he can shoot off the bounce. Uh, John Michael Wright, it sounds like he's the point guard. Kate, that was kind of our assumption after not landing a true point guard, but Mike Boynton specifically said he wants him to be a facilitator. This is a guy that can average 18, 20 points a game, and he said he's been talking to him more about you know don't worry about that. Even if you're averaging eight to twelve points a game, we want you as the guy running the offense along with an Avery Anderson and Bryce Thompson, but it sounds like JMW is going to be the point guard. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, it it puts Avery in such a better position. He can catch the ball while the defense is leaning and attack that way. I mean, just that right there makes it valuable. So, I mean, and Avery, we saw struggle with turnovers when he tried to initiate the offense, held on the ball too long while trying to get the offense initiated. So, I mean, I really – love Avery at the two Bryce at the three I mean who who at the four I mean Caleb then going to Musa I mean mean, that's a perfect segue that is a perfect segue because Mike Boynton said he wants Caleb Boone playing the four and he wants he wants basically two of Tyreek Cissé and Caleb on the floor a, a majority of the time and he sees Caleb as a guy at the four and he also talked about Caleb extending his range shooting wise and it sounded like he was a lot more confident, obviously, in that than, than talking about Cissé earlier. It sounded like this is – he thinks Caleb is – can be an outside shooter. Well, I mean, in related news, I just renewed my season tickets. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I just – but no, I actually did. Um, you can catch me in Section 301. But Caleb at the four plus Moose at the five or even Tyreek at the four, that's a great solution. Um, and it makes Oklahoma State such a difficult team to get in the paint against. Like, if you get in the paint with an Oscar Sheboy type player, yeah, you, you might have success. But, I mean, Musa's a big dude. Musa doesn't get bodied easily. And Caleb helping, I mean, shut it down. I, I think Oklahoma State could have one of the better front courts in all of the Big 12, especially if you just rotate those three guys. I mean, the highlights this, this offseason on Twitter, Tyreek Smith has put some weight on. He's killing it in the gym. I mean, those are three really good options there. I mean, really two at, at the four with Caleb and, and Tyreek. So, yeah. And I, I think the only thing you worry about is maybe this quickness, the defensive quickness of Caleb Boone to be able to cover, you know, a more small ball four. But boy, they'll make adjustments to that. And I actually think Caleb is good enough on defense to be able to stay with a quicker guy. So we'll see, but I, you know, Mike Boynton's has got a lot of, a lot of personnel to play around with this upcoming season. You know, you talked about running a Bryce Thompson, Avery and JMW all out there at the same time, Russell Harrison, Chris Harris can come back. It, we, I think we've named pretty much everybody on the roster now. So it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I know it's a long way out, but it's going to be a lot of fun. 
No doubt about it. I mean, Dustin, anything else basketball-wise before we move on? I think, I think I'm basketballed out, Kate. <laughs> well, the only really other thing, I, it's a couple of things. One, obviously, the AJ Ferrari news came out last week. We don't know a ton about it, but we do know our boy Lee um, over at Dynasty Defined. He's actually been on this podcast. You can go over to his podcast, check that out. For what that situation looks like, what it means for Oklahoma State, um, we don't want to get into any of the specifics. Sounds like a pretty serious situation, so we won't. But go to Lee, go to Seth Duckworth at PFB. Any of those guys will keep you informed. But we just wanted to address that as as we've gotten some questions about it. So just wanted to keep that uh, at least you know we've we've heard it, but we're not gonna we're not gonna discuss it. So the other thing, Dustin, is Victor Hovland. I mean, went <laughs> took a crack at his first major uh, in at his St. Andrews this weekend. Didn't come up with the win. I mean, Cam Smith basically stole it from everybody with his putter on the back nine. But it was pretty cool to watch Victor out there strutting around with Rory to go get the Claret Jug at St. Andrews. I mean, it's pretty darn cool. Yeah, it, it was awesome. I got to watch most of the round on Saturday. I tried to tweet out some videos from the account of his highlights from the day. Just him being in the mix on Sunday was so awesome. I think what he shot two over 74, which was his worst round of the tournament on Sunday. Obviously, probably some nerves there. I think the big thing is, Cade, he he was so aggressive on Saturday. And then it seemed like he was playing a little conservative on Sunday. And I don't know if that was all his fault, just kind of the way things started out. Some things weren't going with the putter. And it just, you know, Rory also wasn't Same being thing. super aggressive. You see him, like you mentioned, lose to Cam Smith, but he had that birdie on 12. I thought he was maybe going to make a little run, but then he bogeyed 13, and it was kind of over from there. I think he had another bogey on 16, but it was awesome seeing him in the mix. That's his first top 10 finish in a major, I believe. So he'll be back. He's, what, 24 years old. He, he's definitely going to be back. I, I think he wins one at some point, Kay, do you? Oh, I I think he wins multiple he's rock solid and he really didn't make many crucial mistakes down the stretch he's two over when he did make a mistake he recovered really well um cam smith i mean i thought on saturday he just like ejected himself from the tournament when he was in the bunker and baseball swung it with the ball at his chest and hit it into the gorse bush I was like, that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And <laughs> something I would have done in, in one of my varsity tournaments my freshman year. I'm pretty sure I did something like that. Uh, and it ended up very similarly. I just didn't win the British Open. And so, um, but he comes back with his putter and just lights the world on fire and yanks it away from Rory, who, if it wasn't Victor, I was really wanting it to be Rory, but Cam Smith is an awesome guy. There's so many videos of him on YouTube engaging with the fans. Um, he's a great dude, and um, I hope he doesn't go to live, but it seems like that's what it's, what it's looking like right now. And um, I mean, putting wins major tournaments, and what Rory and Victor did not do on Sunday was make putts. I mean, especially Rory. He, he was putting from, you know, inside – 20 feet lagging it to two feet and tapping in. He was just very safe. And I don't know if that was intentional, but I just don't think he was able to run many putts in and Cam Smith did. He messed up Victor's play. If Rory would have played more aggressive, Victor would have played more aggressive. Now I'm just joking. Well, yeah, I, I, Rory's a very polarizing individual. He seems like a really cool guy, obviously 
friends with Tiger and everything like that. So I like Rory. I I, I would have been fine with him. I winning. also I also think that I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. The live stuff, I think, has made Rory. I think he used to be polarizing. I I think he's one of the more universally beloved athletes of of this generation right now because of where he's at in his career. I think he's galvanized the PGA tour. I think he's kind of, it's like Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader's vibes here with, with Rory McIlroy versus uh, like Dustin Johnson or any of the other guys. So I do think that Rory is widely beloved right now, but I do, I agree with you. I think he is polarizing just because of how good he is. Um, I thought he was going to get it though. And it's a shame that he didn't, but I mean, dude, Cam Smith just, took it from him and so we yeah. can wrap it up there but i mean it's it's that simple the putter was so hot that putt that camp smith had on 17 from in front of the bunker up over the hill lagging it to two feet it's like well i mean rory hadn't hit a shot like that all weekend so yeah and um, i was fine with cam smith as well one of my good buddies you've who you've met before uh is australian so i oh yeah i like, Great guy. I like the australian guys as well uh, good hang yeah <laughs> Taylor Gooch finished with a three under 69, I think, in that final round. I think he was 34th overall. Pick took come a little bit of money as well. So that's uh that's solid from him. It's it's good to see both Oklahoma State guys play well, finish, you know, Gooch finish strong. Hovland doesn't finish extremely strong in that last round, but a top 10 finish in a major is awesome. Uh, it was it was electric being in the mix on Saturday. So I had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah, no doubt. It was great. I tweeted it out uh, to be thinking of your fellow brethren in, in Oklahoma city on Sunday, as they had the conversation with their wives about church or golf. And it's a conversation I had. It's a conversation that I, I didn't win, but it's certainly, I watched golf and did, did I pray about it? Sure. Uh, but Hey, it is what it is. So Victor Hovland was going for his I first major. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move into questions. I know we've got several. Um, we have a new one this week. Karsten, who sent in a question about recruiting rankings. I love this. Number one, I love seeing new names in our uh, listener questions, in our voice questions, nonetheless. Um, we've got one from Ryan Winkle here later, but this this one's from Karsten. And uh, just one, thank you for sending it in. And uh, two, here it is. Hey, guys. Love the pod. Um, my question is, when will we see 247 update their recruiting rankings? Uh, and I'm just asking because of St. Forrest's performance at Elite 11, hoping to see him make a jump. Thanks. Karsten, great question. Uh, thank you for that as well. I, Dustin, correct me if I'm wrong, and I certainly could be. They, It seems like they do it based off of, like, market demand almost. Like, So they just did it. Okay. They just recently did it. That's how uh, Jelani McDonald got the boost to a four-star. Exactly. They redid their top two, four, seven, or I think that's what they, that's what they call it. Um, yeah. Their top two, four, seven. So he got a tiny bump. Um, I had it pulled up. I believe he went from a 89 or 88 to 89 Flores did. I'm pulling it up real quick. Sorry about the bad radio there. Yeah, so he bumped up from an 88 to an 89. So he only got a small bump. I was thinking he was maybe going to get bumped into that four-star status, which would have been in that 90 range. So he's like 
basically the highest three-star you can be on 247. So he's right there. Carson, love the question because I was thinking the exact same thing. I believe Cody Nagel for 247 put out an article recently um, where their targets rank. Okay, yeah, I just found it. That's all, That's what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, so he went from he went up one point from an 88 to an 89. So he's now the 23 the 23rd ranked quarterback in the class and second player in the state of Nebraska, but still a three-star, just a very high three-star it for reference. Jelani McDonald is a 91 and he's a four-star. So that's good to know. Hard, hard to believe how much Jelani McDonald had just skyrocketed up the recruiting rankings. He's the top nothing. commit. Now no, no ranking two weeks ago. <laughs> Insane. Um, we've got another question here from, our friend of the pod, Ryan, Ryan Winkle, here's his question. Hey guys, if I had a time machine and told you, you could go back in time uh, to one particular season where you could have season tickets for one OSU sport, what sport and what season would you want? Oh, this is Ryan. This is phenomenal off season question asking right here. Something you could think about off the top. It doesn't require a deep dive. And it doesn't make me look stupid. I think I have it. I think I have it. Go. I'm going to go with the 2004 men's basketball team. I think I've got to do the same thing. Because I, I, the, o- the only football season I maybe want to go back to is like the Barry Sanders era, which would be awesome. I mean, Heisman Trophy. But we've been here for the – other best Oklahoma state football seasons besides, you know, our beloved 1945, which we were there in spirit. (laughs) Um, I I don't, I don't think I could go with a football one. Right. Since we've, since 2011, we were, I mean, like, I can't think of a season outside of 2011, 2012, 13, 17. I had, we were, we were, I started going to games in 07. Yeah, there's uh, not a, really as one freshman, so it's yeah. got to be that. It's got to be that. That's that's hands down it, the I, answer. I think it has to be, and and unless just to be just to be different, I can go with 1945. I'd want basketball and football tickets. Well, so, so just to see both championships, just to kind of run through some of those other seasons and the games that took place in them. 2011's f- home football schedule was elite. So, oh yeah, real quick. Baylor when they had RG3, uh, K-State when they had Colin Klein, and that was like 14 versus three. Oklahoma when OSU stomped them. I mean, I think they had Arizona and Nick Foles that year. 2011 Oklahoma State football was like hard to beat. Um, you could even go 2017, but that home season sucked. They lost three home games that year. Um, I, I think it's 2004 basketball. Yeah, I agree, and I, I definitely didn't go to a game. In 2004, I didn't live in Oklahoma then. So that is the one I'm going to go with. I love the question, Ryan. It, it is fun to think about. Yeah, no doubt. Dustin, I'll flip it to you for uh, some Twitter questions if you got them. Yeah, so we'll hit some of the ones from last week. Apologies again. And, and we're going long on this episode. We know it's kind of to compensate for last week with our technical difficulties, even though I, I know we still had a normal length podcast, but we just had to cut some things short. So Hayden at Hayden M. OK State. He says, after losing Tay, do Gundy and Dunn have different, a different scheme for the Z role, or does someone else step into that role? Bray, Shetran, Tate. So Spencer Sanders actually answering a question at Big 12 Media Day said, 
Jaden Bray at the X, Brennan Presley and John Paul Richardson in the slot, and Braden Johnson at the Z, which is a little surprising because the Z in Oklahoma State's offense in the past, we've seen more of kind of the dynamic receiver there, your Tay Martin, your Tylen Wallace. I don't know if that was just Spencer kind of messing things up off the top of the head or if that's actually what it's going to be. Braden Johnson is a little bit similar in size to a, a Taylor Wallace, but we saw Jaden Bray fill in for Tay Martin last year. What my thinking is, is I wrote about this a little bit when I was back with pistols firing at the beginning of the season. And then we talked about it on the podcast last year. They kind of moved all their receivers around a lot, really, you know, off the line on the line is kind of how they would denote those alphabetical letters to each receiver and how, kind of where they're lined up in the formation. They're moving Bray. They were moving Tylen Wallace all around the, uh, all around the field in, in his years. So I don't know if the letters matter as much anymore to answer that question, but I think it's still going to be the J I think Jaden Bray's role is going to be the go-to role, if that makes sense. I don't know if so much it matters, the alphabetical letter, and I could be wrong on that. You know, I, I don't have a look at the actual playbook, but just based off of what I've heard and seen, I think Bray is going to be the go-to guy in the passing concepts. I don't know if he's always going to be at the Z spot. I probably made that really confusing, but. No, I follow you, but I do speak Dustin. So no, it was great. It was a great <laughs> breakdown. I think that Braden at the Z, the way the offense is set up currently, we've talked about this already. Like I think Braden's skill set suits him to be more of a game breaker out of the slot, but we haven't seen him in two years. I mean, it has something changed to where he's a, a fit at the Z right now. Maybe. Um, and we saw him kind of float around in between the Z and the X and, and some of those slot positions as he was, uh, you know, coming up in his career with Oklahoma State. So it wouldn't shock me, but man, I Bryson Green at the Z makes a ton of sense, right? You kind of threw him out there, Taylor and Shetcher, and they're going to have guys there. And I think it's going to be a it's just they're going to be able to throw 10 wide receivers at opposing teams and say, just cover these guys because you're going to have a tough time with any of them. I mean, you go down the list. There's so many. Um, I think they could throw really anybody outside of Brennan, Braylon, John Paul uh, and Blaine Green out at the out well, of the Z. So we saw it last year with Rashad Owens. These guys are learning. Yeah. 100%, every position. Great point. Great and Spencer out. Sanders knows every single thing that every wide receiver does on every play. So I think I think they're going to move guys around as to where defenses can't key on specific things. If Sanders wouldn't have said that, my answer would be Bray is at the Z. That kind of threw me off a little bit, but I like it, kind of what 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 I alluded to. I think they're going to be moving around a little bit. But I love that question, Hayden. Obviously, we spent some time discussing it so it's a you're, really good you're question. speaking our love language yeah um next we have d lane at dakota underscore lane he says what do you guys think is the ceiling and the floor for the basketball team next season also what does boyden have to do to stay off the hot seat next season Ooh, Justin, i'll throw that to you i mean i say that to stay out of the hot seat, NCAA tournament berth, but I think that they've got the roster for that. That's how I see it. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think the ceiling is probably what win win 12? two games in the tournament. So okay. So he went ceiling and floor is what is what he wants. Yeah. So I, I think floor is bottom half of the big 12. Yeah. Missed the NCAA tournament. I would say floor I mean, is bottom uh bottom three, eight, nine, ten. Like you can yeah. be seven in the big 12 and have had a pretty good year. Like I, if if do you think eight, that's realistically the floor with this roster though, or do you think that's like I think that's the floor. I don't see them going lower than that. I mean, there's some questions around other teams in the Big Twelve. I don't see them going lower. Than well, do you eight. think they're good enough to not go that low? I I think they are. I think ceiling is fourth. I think floor is eighth in the Big Twelve. And okay. so, if you're talking about uh, accomplishment wise, I think the floor is nit. CBA, whatever, nothing. And so I think postseason play. Yeah. I think the ceiling kind of is play. second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I agree. Sorry. That's what I meant. Yeah. Second weekend. I said that weird. No, so that's, I, I agree okay. with you. I'm on the same page. Nice question. I do um, love that. It's, we're, I mean, shoot, we're only three months from basketball. <laughs> uh, Glory Cow. And thank you, uh, Dakota. And thank you to Hayden for those questions. Glory Cowboy at uh, Go Rig Sanker. He sends us questions a lot. Really appreciate them. They're always good. He says, "Tell us a scenario where OSU is seven and five or eight and four this year without any injuries to any group." I think the scenario would be you lose Bedlam, you lose to Baylor. So, so the two better teams, a state is as good as some people think they're going to be and you lose that one. And then you drop a random game to somebody that gets you to four. And what would cause that I think is. Or Sanders has to get into situations where he's forcing and there's a lot of turnovers from the offense. I don't see any scenario where the defense is bad enough to lead you to four or more losses. Am I wrong on that case? I dude, I thoroughly agree with you. And I was actually even, I wasn't even thinking about the defense until you brought them up. It's all Spencer to me. I mean, I think the defense is going to be good enough to keep them in every game they're in. It's can they not turn the ball over? And that goes beyond Spencer, right? That it's ball security in the running back room. Yeah. Um, some young wide turnovers on offense. Um, but Spencer's going to be the one that wears that. And um, I think that would be how they get to eight and four, seven and five. So, yeah, I agree with you. Because that's the thing. The defense won them some games last year. Now, maybe that doesn't happen, but I don't think the defense loses you many games. I agree. So it would be the offense losing you the games and the defense not being able to overcompensate for it. But I personally don't think that. I think they're better, a better than eight and four team, which we've talked about on this podcast. But to get to that eight and four, seven and five, I think it's just poor offensive line play leading to, you know, fumbles, interceptions, no running attack. Yeah, I, I, I think you're spot on. I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, we had our guy Scott King at SC King. He's calling out the top performers from week five. We had uh, – it, it was Bryson Green. There was Quentin Stewart, Jabbar Muhammad, just some names that we've mentioned on here a lot. He said this guy's been putting in work. Um. We've got one from – sorry, I had to scroll back up from last week. You're good. 
we've got Corbett Klein. So Corbett Klein asked a question. We took it out of the agenda because we saw this question. What players that were drafted in the MLB draft from Oklahoma State do you think will return next season? And what players have we got in the transfer portal for baseball? So, Kate, real quick rundown on the Major League Baseball draft. Justin Campbell was taken 37th. Nolan McLean was taken 81st. Trevor, uh, sorry, I'll name the teams too. Campbell went to the Guardians. Nolan McLean went to the Orioles. Trevor Martin, 104th to Tampa Bay, which was 104 spots above his MLB prospect ranking. So he went 104th, and that was 104 spots higher than his ranking. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> Victor Medeiros, uh, 178th in round six to the Angels. Then Roman Fansalker went 208th also to the Angels. Griffin Dorshing in the eighth round at pick 240 to San Diego. Caden Trinkle to the A's at pick 274. So the, all of those guys went in the top 10 rounds. And then the next set of rounds – Bryce Osmond, or sorry, 448th to the Angels. So three Oklahoma State pitchers to the Angels. And then Cale Davis, pick 488 to the Toronto we, Blue Jays. Do we claim him anymore? I mean, we he played at Oklahoma State. So I will just say his name. But um, honestly, Kate, that's a great call out. I apologize for even bringing him up. I'm just, we shouldn't even out. talk about him. Just that's. It's we yeah, I mean, hey, it is what it is. So, Kate, out of those, I know I was talking with our guy Alabama Pope. He he mentioned this as well. Maderos in the sixth, that's 291k pick value. That's a lot of money. The Angels just took three pitchers, though. We know Bryce Osmond's in the transfer portal. I don't know about Roman Fansoccer, what he's thinking. Maderos is a guy who you could see come back to Oklahoma State and be kind of that key weekend starter for them. For sure. And maybe boost himself. Not, I mean, Justin Campbell's an otherworldly prospect, but he sees Justin Campbell and Nolan McClain, two integral parts of the pitching staff, which he was too. I mean, he had some injuries and everything. Go in these, you know, first three rounds. Do you think that's a guy that would come back and say, you know what, I think I can get. 790k like McLean or close to 2.1 million like Campbell. Man, I mean that's a decision I don't want to make. You know what I mean? Like that's that's tough. I mean, do you believe you can be? I mean, Justin Campbell was one of the best pitchers in in the Big 12 and all of college baseball. Do you, do we think Victor Medeiros is that? Could be. I think he could be that. But if he go if he goes where if he even even if he goes where Trevor Martin went in the third round, he doubles his pick value. And again, would, they have to negotiate this with the team and everything. I would but. think just more exposure, more key game film would, would set him up for that. Yeah. I, I think we could see Medeiros back. He's still pretty young overall. He's a, I, I believe he's a four year sophomore due to COVID year oh, wow. and everything coming from Miami, but he's not, he, yeah. So he's, he's, barely kind of made the cut if he wouldn't have that fourth year he would i don't think he i think he's just now 21 yeah he just turned 21 a month ago so i think he's a guy that come back other than that uh hayden trinkle osmond davis sorry to mention his name again they're obviously not coming back because they're in the transfer portal dorshing is out of eligibility fan soccer is a what it's a fourth year 
senior, right? I, I don't, I don't know yeah, if he'll come back. Seventh round, yeah, pretty I good. wouldn't expect him to be back. Uh, Mc, McLean could come back. I doubt it with that third pick, but the Rays. I know I keep talking about Trevor Martin. The Rays see him as a future starter. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's awesome. He mowed Arkansas down, didn't he? He showed potential this year. I. It'll be it'll be fun to watch these guys. Uh, Oklahoma State, I think, was third overall in picks of any school, so um, that's pretty awesome. That's I know fantastic. they were second or third in picks in the top ten rounds. So the Stillwater Regional in general had the most picks, I believe, out of any regional. There was like seventeen right. in the top ten rounds. So that's just absurd if you throw mainly from Arkansas as well, but. <laughs> Yeah, the, the draft was awesome. And then to answer the second part of that question, Corbett, so far in the transfer portal, Oklahoma State has gotten Noah Turley, first baseman from Arizona, kind of a down year last year, sophomore 6'4", 220, hit 226 with eight homers and 32 RBIs. But in JUCO, he was batting close to 420 with 22 home runs. So hopefully you can get him back up to that. They've got Jansen Kiesel from BYU actually pitched against Oklahoma state this year, gave up two hits in five innings. He's a freshman pitched in 19 games, nine started 4.27 ERA, but he's a guy that only went five or six innings. So that ERA is a little inflated. I think 1.5 whip, uh, 263 average against him. Chad Castillo from California Baptist hit 386 with 11 homers and 69 RBIs. He's an outfielder, all whack first team. I think that'll be a, Big addition to the batting order. And then Brennan Holt, 5'9", 160-pound freshman infielder. Seems like a replacement for Caden Brumbaugh that left, another mm. young guy who's around that size. He was a top high school recruit out of Louisiana, guy from LSU that they got. So we'll see uh, We'll see what he can do. But those are the four guys they've gotten so far in the pool. Dust, that's a phenomenal breakdown. I mean, it's going to be crucial for Oklahoma State to reload. I mean, they they lose a lot. They lose a lot of production, and they lose a lot of pitching. So yeah. I'm, I'm hoping next year's not a down year, but the portal's going to have to present itself. And, I mean, it's a great time to really just kind of mention Jackson Holiday, who we've talked about on this podcast. I don't think he's coming to Stillwater as he was just picked number one by the Baltimore Orioles. He was projected number two. So it's not like this was utterly surprising, but man, I mean, just awesome for him, but I wouldn't expect to see him in cowboy orange and black. I would expect to see him in Baltimore orange and black. Yeah. You were hoping earlier on thinking the year that maybe he drops, you know, late, <laughs> Maybe where Justin Campbell's pick. Maybe some maybe character concerns. Like, yeah, just something light, like to drop a Comes in place for his dad and his uncle, but um, I don't think we're going to see him. It's awesome. He's pick number one. There's a cool reaction video. I think Pistols Firing put it up in one of their posts of uh, after he got picked. But Noel McClain will be with him in Baltimore, the Baltimore That's pretty system, cool. So that's cool. Who gets but, there uh, first? Who gets to the bigs first? Nolan or Jackson? I'm going to go Jackson. <laughs> man, I, I, you know how I feel about Nolan, so I I do. I, mean, probably, I just I think I think Jackson's a, a guy that's just that's just MLB ready here in a couple of years. But we'll see with Nolan. He may shoot right up the right up the system. Uh, they recruit him as a pitcher, so we'll see. But or oh. draft him as a pitcher. Okay, the last uh, it's not a question, just a call out from OK State Takes. Uh, they said another week where it feels like you couldn't dream of a better list of top performers. Caleb Etienne 
making the list of uh, workout performer of the week for Cowboy football. Hey. He's kind of the name to call out there. So good to see Mason Cobb was in there. So um, that's all we had. Guys, really appreciate the questions. Again, apologies for getting us some of these a week late. And Kate, we haven't even mentioned it. I know, I know. It now. <laughs> I know. Uh, we obviously you know, previewed this podcast on Twitter and talked about it last week that there was going to be a guest for TCU. We had a scheduling issue. We're going to try to hit that as a separate podcast later this week. Either Cade's going to take it by himself tomorrow or Cade and I will both be there on Thursday. We're working with some different times right now, but we apologize for that. Uh, Life came up for our guest and he was unable to make it, but he let us know and he still wants to try to work it out. So we were, we're going to try that. And then also Cade, I'm out next week. I believe your brother is replacing me. You That's guys right. have a talk OSU preview K-State. So I'll be excited to listen to that. And sorry to miss the pod, but my wife and I will be out of town. And otherwise, you know, you know, I do my best to be on. Yeah. But, no, for um, sure. Yeah. So just wanted to run through those two quick notes before we wrap up. Well, one, absolutely excited to have Jamie on. It's unfortunate it didn't work out tonight, but uh, hopefully we get him on later in the, in the week. And I'm not going to apologize because if it works out, you're going to get two feels like 45 pods in one week. So we had no that. apology here. It's more like you should be thanking us. Um, number two, <laughs> can't wait to have my brother on the podcast. You guys have heard from him already. So it's not, I'm not just throwing him a freebie. He's a, he's a K-State uh, alum and a, a diehard Oklahoma State fan. So he's actually going to help us, continue our conference foe preview series as he can you know provide a little bit of insight into k-state and dustin i will just say that the, the collective iq when you exit the room and two webmen enter the iq drops i mean no less than 80 points so um we'll miss you but i hope you guys have a wonderful vacation and a, a safe trip uh but we'll hold it down for you and um yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hope we can only come close to the ratings when you're on the podcast. So, Well, I appreciate that. I don't agree, but I appreciate that. Your brother is an awesome guest, so that'll be awesome. I really appreciate him coming on. Like I said, thanks, everybody, for the questions, and I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. We should – I believe that we'll be having a Texas guest on yeah, for that week right. that we've already lined up. So to be we'll have that writer. coming at you. And it's Tom Herman. <laughs> If the TCU pod doesn't work out this week, we built in a couple buffer weeks. Like we said, we're not going to do every team. So we could possibly have Jamie on a little bit later before football season starts. So we'll get, we'll get them through the guests that we said we were going to. It just might be a little bit of a scheduling move. So thanks Cade for taking the pod without me next week. And uh, yeah, appreciate it. No, like I said, safe travels and we'll definitely miss you. Dustin, it was great. Great podcast. This was fun. It was good to catch up. And uh, hopefully things line up with Jamie later in the week. But if not, we'll talk to you guys next week. Go Pokes.